Bruce's music has kind of matured kind of at the same pace as I was growing up. I feel like, you know, for the last 40 years, I've kind of been on this journey with him. Um, but the, uh, how I got to that kind of start that point um, was almost accidental. When I was in fourth or fifth grade, so that would have been 75, 76, somewhere right around there, um, a, a kid transferred to our school from New Jersey. And we became friends, and he was incessantly talking about this guy, Bruce, which was really weird for, you know, a nine or 10-year-old. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson and joining me today is a new friend uh john pocklop and john uh welcome to the show thanks thanks for having me I know. Uh, I was you. You're you're selling yourself short already. I was I was sending out a tweet like, "Oh, I'm so excited." You're like, "Hey, you haven't talked to me yet." <laughs> Hold on. Let's let's build well, low expectations. This, this is my first podcast, so. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome. I hope I'll make it easy for you, and I hope you want to do more. So, tell us a little about yourself. Give us your elevator pitch. Uh, well, born and raised in Chicago or just outside, uh, the, basically the first suburb outside of Chicago. So pretty, uh, pretty typical, born in uh, 66. So I'm wonderfully uh, 54 years old. Uh, been a Bruce fan for 40 of that. Um, you know, pretty, pretty normal upbringing. Uh, first show was October 10th at uh, the Uptown Theater in Chicago. So okay. the, the original river tour right before the band made the jump to arenas. Ah, so we were one of the, the last uh, couple shows before that happened. White Sox, or, White Sox or Cubs? Cubs. North, okay. We're North, North Siders. Okay. <laughs> Although we would go to White Sox games at least once a year. Uh, so we could see a game under the lights. I imagine. So before they put lights in at Wrigley, my grandfather would always take us to one game a year down at the old Comiskey Park. You know, um, growing, uh, my family was not sports fans growing up at all. I mean, none whatsoever. Um, we, uh, I was born in Louisiana. We spent some time in Kentucky and my dad was in the army, moved around a lot. And so he didn't have that sports, you know, family. And um, so when I moved to Dallas in 86, you know, you kind of, okay, well, I guess I'll be a Cowboy fan. I guess I'll be a mm-hmm. Texas Rangers fan. I guess I'll be a Dallas Mavericks and then later a Dallas Stars. Um, and my son and I are both fascinated. Like he was, when we were up at New York um, at one of the the MetLife, you know, toward the end of the tour, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the second leg of the river tour, he's like, okay, like, how do you decide between a Jets and a Giants? I mean, like, you know, and, and like, how do you figure out which one are you going to be Mets or Yankees? And you're like, oh, it's all about your family. It's all about your family. So it's how you were raised, whichever yeah, way. Exactly. Well, uh, so 
I always like to start at the beginning. Well, first off, John, how are you doing with the pandemic? Uh, well, I'm doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was diagnosed COVID positive on the 2nd of January. Oh, no. And spent a wonderful 10 days in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it's all good now. Uh, you know, I took an extra week off of work just to kind of recuperate. And, yeah. You know. So it, it hits you pretty hard. Yeah. And I don't know where I caught it, you know, mm-hmm. who was infected that gave it to me. Uh, had the, but I had the full pneumonia and everything, although I had never really felt that sick. It was really mm-hmm. kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they kept me for a while. Mm. So. Well, I am so glad you're doing okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much over it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all good now. And are you working from home? Uh, well, I have been for a year, Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, but no, I still go to clients. Uh, mm-hmm. So don't go to the office much, but I, I still have to visit clients. So I'm, okay. I'm still, or always was out and about okay. you know, all last year. And um, what's your gig? You know, we're, we're the, ma- oh, I, uh, I work for Rico. Okay. I'm a color management guy and uh do technical sales and support of okay. uh, the big printers okay very nice so cool a lot, a lot of windshield time uh-huh. so i drive you know, thirty thousand miles a year a little more yeah. and uh get to listen to east street radio a lot i was gonna ask do you do <laughs> do you do music do you do talk radio do you do podcasts it's a, it's a mix uh-huh. yeah i do i do some podcasts some talk radio and uh, a lot of just the Sirius XM, yeah, various channels. That's but nice. Mostly, mostly Eastern Radio, but yes, not absolutely, not exclusively. Yeah, every once in a while, I like to flip around too. Uh, you know, um, I like Road Trip Radio uh, yeah. when we're on, actually on a road trip, and I love the covers channel for some reason. Depends on sometimes you just you'll hear some interesting covers. So. Yeah. And on the weekends, the 70s channel, because you can catch Casey Kasem, and that brings me back to my childhood. <laughs> so Yeah, and my radio uh, buffers, you know, like 25 minutes of each channel. Yeah. So it's great if I'm like halfway through something on, you know, a Bruce line that I'm not particularly into, I can skip ahead to a different channel oh, and then nice. come back and I won't, you know, it'll just pick up at the beginning of the next song. Oh, that's so I, nice. So I won't miss anything. Oh, that's good. Uh, which is pretty slick. That is very slick technology. There you go. Or if I get a phone call, it pauses and just again, Mm -hmm. picks up, you know, where it left off, which is absolutely, it's nice. I didn't know that the card did that when I bought it. Yeah. And, and I didn't realize it was doing that until I, you know, at some point I was like, wow, you know, it's always at the beginning of a song when I change the channel, what is it going on? (laughs) And then I, (laughs) you know, figured that out. And I was like, that's a really cool feature. That is a cool feature. Yeah. I like that. Um, well, I always like to go back to the beginning. So, John, mm-hmm. uh, you said you were born and raised in Chicago. What kind of music was your family musical? Did they listen to a lot of music? And if so, what kind? Uh, my mother was mostly into Neil Diamond. Okay. So that meant I had to listen to a lot of Neil Diamond. Sure. Uh, growing up. Uh, I actually took my mother to see him uh, a couple times and was wonderful oh i bet it was i've never seen him but yeah that's great uh and then uh we went to see john denver she was big into john denver so he was actually the 
the first person to play at a uh, an outdoor you know arena that got built not too terribly far from our house so we went to that and then uh my brother was big into harry chapin um uh, so he, he got me into that uh you know really early on and then you know that neatly ties into bruce although i didn't know it at the time <laughs> you know so probably those are my two big ones is harry chapin and bruce so we could spend a whole episode talking about Harry because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge Harry Chapin fan. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a fellow Harry Chapin fan join me and we did a whole hour of talking about Harry's music and the different stories and each gave our five songs that we suggested non-Chapin fans to listen to. So uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you ever get to see him live? Unfortunately not. Uh, he used to play every year at the... Uh, it's actually it was at a mall not too far from yep. my house but they had a uh oh, it was probably of a 300 feet uh seat theater yeah uh, it was in the round with the rotating stage is really a pretty cool place mm-hmm. but um the early show always sold out immediately and i was too young to go to the late show i was told yeah because <laughs> it started at like 11 yes and so i, cu- I couldn't get my mother or my grandparents to take me so unfortunately i never did although i do remember where i was when i heard the news of the car accident oh really sure yeah so um the town i grew up in in park ridge um has an old movie theater that seats like 1100 single screen you know the old uh, very ornate um you know building the old school movie theater and we were in the car right outside of it when the news broke and i'm you know remember being very upset (laughs) yeah so i saw him a couple of years before he died it must have been 78 79 um he was there in lake charles louisiana there was bad weather and so the band could not make it so it was him and his guitar Mm -hmm. did the whole show um and it was truly it felt like he was in your living room telling stories it was great you know what's funny is um someone on twitter today said tell how old you are uh without giving your age by naming a band you saw and i replied john denver and uh someone said oh i'm jealous um yeah, once again, like probably 70, uh, 78, 79, maybe in Lake Charles, I, I we saw John and he was in the round, you know, they, they had a round stage that he would slowly rotate. So, and the, the band was all around him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so great stuff. Um, so uh, you, when did you, like, you've heard from Neil Diamond, you found Harry Chapin. Um, what, when did you discover Bruce? How did I get to Bruce? Yeah. And how, and what about him spoke to you, John? Uh, well, speaking to me, you know, were the stories at first. Okay. Uh, you know, that was really kind of what kind of drew, drew me to it. Um, obviously the live show. Yeah. You know, that's a no brainer. Um, and then also kind of that, you know, Bruce's music has kind of matured kind of at the same pace as I was growing up. 
Right. So I feel like, you know, for the last 40 years, I've kind of been on this journey with him. Yes. Um, but the, uh, how I got to that kind of start that point, yeah. um, was almost accidental. Um, uh, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, so that would have been 75, 76, somewhere right around there. Um, a kid transferred to our school from New Jersey. Okay. And we became friends and he was incessantly talking about this guy, Bruce, which was really weird for, you know, a nine or 10 year old. Yes. <laughs> and, and honestly, I didn't care, um, yeah. you know, because they, you know, I wasn't hearing that on the radio or, or anything like that. And then uh, in 79, um, another friend who at least would play Born to Run when I'd go to his house, but only that one song. And so, of course, I thought that was side one because, you know, why wouldn't the title track be on side one? Didn't realize it was side two. But uh, the three of us went to see the No Nukes movie in the theater. So that's kind of my claim to fame because not many people can say that because <laughs> it didn't play many places, but it came to Park Ridge. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got there not too long before Bruce is set. And then we sat through the whole movie again until he played again. And then most of the theater got up and walked out. So that was the first time I actually saw him and could put kind of like a face to the music. Um, but I still wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I got to rush out and, you know, see this guy or anything. And I don't think I had even bought an album yet at that point. Okay. But then uh, my friend uh, won tickets to the Uptown Theater show off of uh, the radio and our New Jersey friend couldn't go or his parents said he was too young to go or something for, I don't remember the exact reason. So he invited me and I was like, sure, I'll go. And so we went. <laughs> and of course, uh, at that point, Born to Run was the first song. And I remember thinking, great. I now know no other song that will be played tonight. <laughs> But that, uh, that was my baptism in a 4,000 seat theater. Uh, and it's been a wild ride ever since. So, you know, I, I say there's two kinds of people, the people that go to their first show and say, boy, that was long. <laughs> and the other people that go, oh my goodness, I, I wanna go to this over and over again. So obviously that, as you said, your baptism, I think that's a perfect way to say it. I mean, it's your road to Damascus moment where the light shines and you, you know, stop being Saul and become Paul. Um, the, was it just the energy? Was it the story? Can, can you summarize why? Because you've heard them, you saw it on film, but that live energy, what about it just made you flip well, the switch? It, I mean, it was like nothing I had experienced. Um, you know, as I said, it's, it's a long way from John Denver. Yes. Uh, performing wise. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I hate to admit it, but my grandparents had taken me to see Captain and Tennille okay. at, at that theater in the round. And yeah. the Osmonds. Okay. So, so those three shows were really the, the concerts <laughs> before Bruce. 
So, uh, I, so it was not the same. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I can imagine. Like, yeah. And I, I would have loved to seen the Osmonds in their heyday. Um, I, you it know, wasn't bad. Yeah, I, I'm you sure. Know, that was when they were on TV and so yeah. everyone knew who they were and the whole yeah. family was there and it, you know, sure. it wasn't terrible, but I'm no. embarrassed by it. No, no, you shouldn't be. <laughs> Captain Tennille. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, they and, were, they were good. Yeah. And so, um, but yes, it is night and day, right? right. It is, yeah, I can imagine. You know, um, from, the, from the first, you know, drum roll mm-hmm. at the beginning of Born to Run, just through the whole yeah. show. You know, it was just a assault on the senses. And Now, when I went, it was the Rising Tour was my first live show. And I had been a casual fan at best. Um, had bought the river born in the usa you know tunnel of love um had bought the live um disc but had not studied a lot of them and actually had bought the rising on cd but had listened to it maybe once um so when i went without knowing the songs um the story i tell john is i felt like i'd gone into this really good movie halfway through it and I knew I'd love the movie if I could know see the first part so how about you you mentioned okay I'm not going to know any other songs what was that like can you remember uh not really honestly it's it's a lot of a blur sure you know I've I've looked at the set list years later and go oh yeah I kind of remember that I mean I remember the Detroit medley at the end yeah um but between Born to Run and the Detroit Medley, I, other than it was like pretty much all the other river shows of that era, uh-huh. uh, Chicago usually has early tour dates. So I feel like the shows are kind of more like what Bruce intends for a particular album. Yeah. And then by the end of the tour, you know, they're tired of doing that. So they're doing more kind of crazy stuff and Mm -hmm. one other stuff out of the hat and it's a it's a very different experience late in the tour yeah you know so i was always jealous of the late new york and jersey shows because i was like Mm -hmm. that's such a much you know better set list not that there was anything wrong with the set list of what i saw yeah um but it was just you know different Uh, so i always like to preface this question john with you know, the amount of times you've seen them is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Um, right. You living in Chicago, he, he does their most tours, but like as someone who lives in Louisiana, like I did growing up or Texas or someone depending on their age, economic situation. So, but for the record, have you counted how many times you've seen them? I gave up at 80. Okay. So, all right. <laughs> yes. And, and, Basically, my rule of thumb is anywhere within a six-hour radius of my house. Okay, is is where I would was okay. willing to go. All right, um, but then add in now two to New York, but yeah, you know, Cleveland, Detroit, uh, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that they've added Milwaukee the last few tours. Um, since about 2009, they've been coming consistently to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Nils came to Milwaukee on the Blue with Lou tour, which was great because I got to see him in a very small space. Oh, nice. Um, so seen him a couple yeah. times, seen little Steven a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So now, um, have you gone to, have you created a, my boss time account? No. Okay. So, all right, here's your homework. Um, <laughs> go to myboss.time.com. Uh, you can create a free account and then he has every show ever on the database. It's broken down by years. And so you go, oh, I went to that one. Oh, I went to that one. Oh, I went to this one. And then behind the scenes, he does all the algorithms and will tell you, here are your most heard songs. Here are your rarest songs. Here are the rarities that like, he's only done the wall like eight times. I was lucky enough to see him perform it live once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it will take you down a rabbit hole, but it's a fun <laughs> rabbit hole. So you should check that out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, so tell me, and, and I know you sent me an email, John, sharing some of these, but tell a few stories about shows you've gone to and give me some of those experiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. Um, obviously, you know, I've been to, I've seen him so many times and every show is great. And there's something kind of unique about every show mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but I tried to, you know, kind of get it down to a manageable few. Yeah. But like um, on the Tunnel of Love tour, I saw back to back shows in Chicago. And the second one was on St. Patrick's Day. And Bruce did a little Irish jig during Rosalita. Oh, and the fun. place just went nuts because yes. it was completely unexpected. He didn't do it the night before. Um, so that was just, you know, just one of those fun little things that all of a sudden he kind of starts dancing. Yes. But, um, you know, if I, if I had to pick one show, again, impossible really to do, um, but it would probably be the Apollo show. And again, I, you know, I, won the tickets by calling in and the person I talked to is like, are you really going to come from Chicago? And I'm like, yes. Well, tell me, Uh, tell me a little (laughs) bit more about that story, right. To remind people, you know, this is a contest that East street radio is sponsoring, correct? Right. Yes. So it was a private show uh, for the, I think it's the 10th anniversary of Sirius XM. If I'm not mistaken, but it's some anniversary of Sirius XM. And so it was primarily for people who work there and celebrities and then some contest winners of actual Bruce fans so that at least someone in the audience would know what was going on. (laughs) And, you know, kind of the thing that, um, it was, well, it surprised me, but the first five rows, I think it was, were the contest winners. Oh, cool. So all the celebrities were sitting behind us. Oh, nice. Which was wonderful. <laughs> Just kind of that we were more important than them. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really cool. Uh, and then I, I, I took my daughter who was seven at the time uh, to the show. Uh, so that was her first concert. And uh, so we got, we got to meet Bette Midler. She was sitting about six or seven rows behind us. We were in the fourth row. Uh, and then Ben Stiller was a couple rows behind us with uh, Christine Taylor and Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones and just yeah. other local, more localized uh, New York people. But that was just kind of really cool 
to be like, ha your seats are worse than ours. Did your daughter know Bette Midler? Is that no. why? No, okay. she didn't know, but okay. I recognized her and I was, you know, just took her yeah. back there and because she was sitting on the aisle. So it was mm -hmm. kind of easy to, to do yeah. that. Um, so that was just, it was wonderful that everyone that won the contest was sitting, you know, right down front. We all couldn't sure. believe it. We feared we'd be in the balcony or something, yeah. you know, which would have been fine too. I mean, the yeah. Apollo is a small place, but um, that was, that was incredible. And the thing I kind of most remember at the beginning was the, the crowd, at least the contest winners, part of the crowd, you know, first show without clearance. And we're all sitting there like, how is this, going to work you know and, and I think everyone was thankful that Bruce picked Jake to replace him because he should yeah. you know that that's the right person but no one really heard him play so you know <laughs> and we didn't this, know and there was a horn section at this point right like right it was almost like okay we can't replace him with one we're gonna have yeah you know two or three horn players yeah yeah so there was well it was the full five-piece horn section yeah. just like on the tunnel of love um and jake was back with them he wasn't down front like clarence would have been yeah so we were all kind of like okay well yeah you need a whole horn section to replace clarence this makes sense yes no problem um but uh when they played badlands which i want to say was the fifth song and jake played the solo uh, just as himself not the whole um you know horn section and you could just feel kind of a wave of relief come over the crowd. Oh, how interesting. Point, going, okay, we're, we're fine. Mm -hmm. This is going to work. You know, and, and obviously it took him a while to settle kind of in, um, you yeah. know, to the role. But you, you could, there was definitely a, a feeling in the crowd when he hit those notes that we're okay. And, and you probably wouldn't get that on the, the radio broadcast, yeah. I assume. Um, but definitely, you know, standing in that crowd, that was, you know, it was real. So I had called um, Sirius and asked them to add um, streaming to my service mm -hmm. because uh, both my wife and I had um, XM in our cars. And so I asked, like, how much is it? And, you know, like three or four bucks a month. Yes. Get it. Get it. You know. <laughs> So, um, so it's Friday night and, um, I, you know, I, it's, uh, my wife and I, um, she is a, she tolerates Bruce. I mean, she is a casual fan at best. And so yeah. the idea of like on Friday night, Hey, love you, honey. I'm going to go sit in the computer room. <laughs> And listen to this show. Um, but she, when she went to sleep, you know, normally like nine or 10. And so I get on the computer and, you know, they're replaying it. And so um, I think I catch the end of it and then they start the new, right? And when they go to City of Ruins mm -hmm. and when he says, are we missing anybody? Yeah. I just started crying. Yep. And I yeah, can all, I, please talk to me about what it was like being there. Uh, well, obviously it was very emotional for everybody uh, because that was the first time. Yes. You know, and uh, the same with uh, in 10th Avenue when they would stop completely, yes. you know, before um, 
they didn't show the video that they the montage that they'd done with Clarence. I don't I don't think they showed that at the Apollo because they didn't have a screen. Okay. Um, I got to see that in Chicago, which was of course also very emotional to see you know to have it stop and play yes. you know a minute of video of Clarence. Um, then they later added Danny, and so yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that that was yeah that was it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I, the idea of, you know, if, if, if you're here and we're here, they're here. Right. And then he, if you're here and we're here, they're here. You just over, you know, and Bruce is one of the things I think he does so well is that repeating those phrases, you know, just the right way to do it. Um, so yeah, I can imagine, um, I saw him later at, of wrecking ball tour uh up in cleveland and so um and you know where he did that the same thing so yeah i can only imagine um but this is not the only ticket you've won calling e street radio is it correct i do want to add one more thing about oh, the please. apollo though so uh you know they let us in fairly early and they were serving hors d'oeuvres and it was you know very fancy but we're sitting down at our seat and the lady sitting next to us asks my daughter, who again, seven years old, doesn't really know a whole lot of Bruce music other than yeah. what I play in the car. But if, if she would be willing to go on stage to sing Waiting on a Sunny Day, okay. and would she like this lady who we've never met before to pretend to be her mother so she could go up too? <laughs> wow. Okay. And my daughter's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> They tried to interview her on East Stranger Radio Danger, Stranger before, Danger. Yeah. You know, before the concert, and she's like, No, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> she later regretted that. But yeah. Uh, so I'm like, Well, from the middle of the fourth row, you're not going to get on stage anyway. But mm-hmm. so uh, they start playing Waiting on a Sunny Day, and Bruce decides to walk through the audience. Okay. Because he's not going to have someone on stage to sing. So he is doing his you know walk over the uh the armrests thing and you know crawling well not crawling walking through the middle of the crowd and he ends up in front of ben stiller and you can there's a video on youtube of this and so he's like staring down at them and singing to them and everyone's turned and you know watching them obviously and then he comes around and he's kind of heading back toward the stage but he spots my daughter so he goes up the third row so he's right in front of us and he's looking down at her and he's singing to her instead of the other way around nice and when he gets to the must have been a tear in my eye he takes his finger and he's you know he's like looking down at her and he shows her where the tear is going to go and then uh then he eventually goes back on the stage and then she fell asleep shortly thereafter so i say that was bruce singing her a lullaby and, it, well, and put her and put her to sleep because <laughs> you know it was late for her but <laughs> you know to be to be candid right like okay i've had bruce serenade me what else is there it's yeah, gonna exactly. be all downhill for like, I'm, I'm done now yeah i'm gonna you go know? to sleep <laughs> so that that was that was amazing yeah um the only the only thing that you know it was a short show yes that, that was the only you know downside but you know it certainly I do remember thinking that, that it was, and in fact, you know, you can, when you buy the official download, it is much shorter than a normal show. 
right. you know. But you know, it was for a radio broadcast. I mean, right. it, was, it was yeah, it wasn't a normal show, so yeah, you know, and, and we weren't about to complain, no, no, you know, no. <laughs> about it at all, yeah. And and the band was tight, even though it was their first show. And mm-hmm. you know, I've always loved horns uh, when yeah they're on the tour, so that, it was all good. Yeah, but, one of the questions I asked early in the podcast, John. And so I'll ask you, because you've done both, is do you prefer the E Street Band on steroids with the horn section, the backup singers, or just the E Street Band, which is 10 members, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, it isn't like, you know, which one do you prefer? I, I prefer the horns. Okay. So th- I thought the Tunnel of Love Express was wonderful, uh, you know, with the full horn section. And I've listened to the stuff from 77 with the horns and I, it adds so much, you know, I'm sure the logistics are worse having five extra people on the road, but yeah. I, I wish they were always there. Uh, the backup singers, uh, you know, I can kind of go either way on, uh-huh. um, on wrecking ball, you know, that tour, they were wonderful. And the, you know, the songs where they really were, you know, a major part of it. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the soul and gospel kind of songs and stuff, you know, they added so much. I've got no problem having the E street orchestra with, you yeah. know, 17 people on stage. Yeah. That's perfectly all right. Yeah. Cause like uh, you think shackled and drawn, you know, with that full band is just yeah. amazing, you know, but I've, you know, I've seen him solo three times too, you know, yeah. where it's just him and, that's pretty good also. I bet so, it is. Yes. So, you know, I, I can go either way. Uh, I didn't even mind the, you know, 92 band, the mm-hmm. Human Touch Lucky Town band. They could play, uh, obviously. Um, they weren't the E Street band, so I understand why they got a lot of grief. Yes. Uh, when playing kind of the old stuff, which wasn't quite right. But certainly on the newer stuff, yeah. you know, they sounded great. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I, when I kind of think back of, you know, which, which is my best story that they're one of the top ones too. Um, because when I only saw that tour once, but we had lawn seats at a place and it was threatening rain. I was like, not in a good mood, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, well, I got to go, but you know, it's, I don't know. Um, but there was a ticket drop while we happened to be standing near the box office while we were waiting to get in and listening to the sound check. And so I told my date, hold on. And, uh, and I ran over to the box office as when I heard someone else kind of screaming over there and we ended up on folding chairs in front of the front row. Oh, nice. (laughs) So I had to buy two extra tickets, which I was more than happy to do. And, uh, the, uh, the ticket person was getting the, uh, you know, the seating chart out. And I'm like, I don't care where they are. I just don't want to be on the lawn. Yeah. You know, I want to be under the pavilion out of the rain. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh no, they're right down here. And she points to an area, you know, on that tour, the st- or at least at that arena, the stage came out in like a half moon mm-hmm. a little bit. So they set up like 20 folding chairs in front of the front row. Okay. So I spent that show leaning on the stage. Nice. Very <laughs> and, nice. And so I was like, well, I can't get better tickets than this so this will be my number one show (laughs) you know yeah i guess so that's pretty crazy and then uh that was right before bruce's birthday Mm -hmm. i want to say it was the 21st of september 
Okay. And uh, the show ended and we were getting ready to leave. And for some reason I glanced up into the rigging because we were like under the lighting guys. And the, and the guy was looking down at me and he just kind of shook his hands like, don't go anywhere. I'm like, okay. So we stayed in our seats and Bruce came back out, I don't know, seven, eight minutes later and they played working on the highway. Oh, very cool. And, and the, the rumor, according to Backstreet's Magazine, I don't know if it's true, but someone gave him a birthday cake when okay. they got off stage. And that put him in a really good mood. So they came out and played one more song. Oh, very cool. <laughs> so I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good story. And yeah, you know, when, so. when I was in Louisville for the, the second river tour, um, he had done shout and it was over and everything was done. And um, they, everyone had left the stage um, and I saw Max go to the front of stage and hand someone his drumsticks and you know and we're just yay 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 and all of a sudden you see Bruce walk back on stage and pick up the guitar and I swear the rest of the band like what what you didn't tell us (laughs) yeah and they did uh Bobby Jean you know and it felt like it felt like there was a Christmas gift underneath the tree that it was like the end of Christmas day and like, Oh wait, really? We have one more present that we did not unwrap. Like it was just so great. Um, So, okay. Uh, You did win tickets a second time. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the the second time on Sirius, I won tickets to the Broadway show. Okay. And and at least that time they didn't ask if I would actually come from Chicago. So that was good. Uh, so we, we flew out, uh, just did a quick couple of nights, uh, who did you went, bring? went to a couple, I, well, I brought my daughter again, but she didn't go to the show this time. It was my wife's turn. Okay. So my wife's like, I'm not staying in the hotel a second time. So, okay. so she went, she went to the Broadway show and we made my daughter stay in the hotel. Is she a fan? Uh, casually. Okay. You know, she has to be because I play it so much. Yeah. But, uh, but again, not not a huge fan i've right. slept her along to a few shows but okay um but yeah we uh we went to a couple uh broadway plays mm-hmm. and then uh, then we had that show uh, at night uh at that time uh we i did get interviewed on uh serious by dave marsh and uh jim rotolo on the way mm-hmm. in so that time I, I i did sit down with them so oh, that, nice. that was kind of fun uh the thing I remember most about that, other than, you know, the intimacy of it yeah. and the, uh, I thought the lighting and stage setup was amazing. It was very simple, but it was perfect for what the show was. But uh, there were a lot of serious people like at the bar making a lot of noise during, you know, most of the show, unfortunately. Oh, really? That's sad. Yeah, it was, it was kind of surprising they they seem to be mostly in the balcony the main floor seemed to be contest winners for the most part and they were very respectful but the bar at uh, the walter kerr is at the back of the main floor yes it is so the serious people would come down and be rather loud Mm. It, it didn't really distract from the show itself that much but it was kind of annoying i wanted to turn around and go shut up yes yeah, absolutely but, but the people behind me probably wouldn't have liked that so no. <laughs> so i didn't do it but uh, uh-huh. 
but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was an amazing show and, and I was kind of like, okay, well, if I'm done now, if this is the last Bruce show I ever see, uh, this was a good one to go out on. Yeah. You know, uh, fortunately you, it wasn't. But. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> no. Uh, what are your thoughts on Letter to You? Um, I like it. I haven't listened to it a ton. Uh, usually, you know, kind of how you were talking about when you first saw him on The Rising and you weren't yeah. necessarily that familiar. Uh, until I see the songs performed, my, my kind of like my first listen through a, a new album or CD, um, it doesn't really click necessarily. Um, I mean, obviously I love ghosts and letter to you and it's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful. Um, I don't have Apple TV, so I haven't watched the, the movie. I mm -hmm. still have to get around to doing a trial subscription so I can watch that. Um, but really until I kind of see it performed, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily hit home. So, um, so Western stars was great because we went to, we could go see that in the movie theater at least. Yeah. I, I saw um, it twice in the theater before I get off. Um, so Ted Lasso is a, uh, series that's also on Apple TV and, uh, it's 10 half hours. Um, and it is absolutely, um, brilliant. Uh, if you're a, uh, even a casual sports fan, it's just the idea that an American college football is going to coach a, uh, European soccer team in England. And, uh, it's, it is so funny and so sweet and so good. So, you can get two things out of it then. Yeah. And then for all mankind <laughs> is um, another series that's on Apple TV that what if Russia landed on the moon first? So, um, so there you can, there you, you could get more than just one series out of yes. your seven day trial. <laughs> You're like, okay, honey, here's you this. Gotta sit down and watch this. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's good. Um, yeah. Do you, Talk about Western stars. Were you surprised that, you know, the, the different kind of genre he was singing in? No, because every album's different. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I often, you know, think about putting a CD, CD together of the first songs of every album. Yeah. Because if you, you know, do that, you're, you're seeing, man, this changes a lot more than we give them credit for, I think. Yeah because they're all so different uh, and and so it was just it was like okay well you know as i said i've i feel like i've kind of matured with him yes you know on this on this 40-year journey and it was just kind of like well he's he's done country songs or at least on the periphery kind of country before and he certainly listens to a lot of it as he's talked about so kind of why not you know um I, I think the the film version with the strings brings a lot more out of the songs than the album version. Yeah. And I, I was kind of mad I bought the, you know, pre-ordered the album version with not knowing that the other version's coming out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was wonderful. You know, whether we ever see those songs in concert is up to debate, you know, because by the time they tour again, that album's gonna be pretty old yeah you know I, there'll be a few songs i'm sure they play but not 
all of them. Um, so it was great to see them performed at least, you know, in the barn. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the E Street Band does with those songs. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll do wonderful with them, obviously, but yeah. you know, it'll be different. It so, was. I love seeing little Steven do Tucson Train. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I yeah, thought that, that was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw uh, uh, Soulfire twice. I saw two yeah. consecutive shows, Milwaukee and Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, and then unfortunately, he had to cancel the, the Summer of Sorcery show that I was going to when he got sick. Yeah, me too. He, so I was like, Dallas, oh, man. He, yeah, he did, yes. Yeah, uh, so absolutely. That, so that was too bad. But, um, but yeah, he's... He was wonderful. Like I've seen Mills a couple times and Max. Yeah. Uh, so, uh-huh. yeah. So I just tell people, you know, you may not be able to see the East Street Band, but you can see these other guys when the East Street Band's not yeah, touring. Exactly. And they all put on, you know, wonderful shows. Do you have favorite songs or albums that you'd want to share, John? Uh, Wild and the Innocence, my my favorite. Okay. So I just say, you know, the, the stuck on a desert island kind of thing, and you can only have one album, uh, that's it uh, okay. for me. And a lot of that's because there's lots of kind of different styles within the album. Uh-huh. So you can kind of go, oh, well, today I feel like, you know, celebrating. Okay, you can put Rosalie down. Or, you know, today I feel kind of like chilling back so you can put on Sandy. Or, you know, so that that's my number one album. Uh, Born to Run would probably be second and a fairly close second. Um, but just side two of The Wild and the Innocent is just an amazing album side for people who still remember albums. Um, so th- those would be the top two. Of the newer stuff, Wrecking Ball is is probably my favorite. Uh, the Rising was wonderful, yeah. of course. Uh, you know, the Seeger Sessions... It was a lot of fun, uh-huh. and, and that and that show was a lot of fun. Um, so, it's, you know, there's always something for your mood. Yeah. So, you know, tomorrow it could be Tunnel of Love, and, uh, you know, the next day it could be Darkness. So, you know, you never yeah, know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so 2022, we get another tour. <laughs> Is there songs that you haven't heard live that you want to hear? Yeah, I was, I was thinking of this because you had sent this, you know, that question, and and really, other than the new albums, yes, that, that, that goes without saying, right? Like Western you know, Stars and Letter to You, yes. you know, we're yeah. going to hear some of that, um, but you know, not really. Okay, um, you know, I've I've pretty much heard what i want you know like you can say oh well that's like your favorite song this week or sure. you yeah. know this year um i've probably seen it live yeah so the uh the one that was always on my bucket list since the first river tour is when i first saw him was prove it all night with the 78 intro right. like everybody i had you know the 78 tour bootlegs of the radio shows uh on vinyl you know, before the CDs came out and, you know, that was always the song. Uh-huh. Um, so when the, when they started playing it again, at least occasionally um, on Wrecking Ball, I was like, 
oh, maybe there's hope, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. I'll get lucky, uh, you know, and, and see that. So um, I, I tweet with Steve Van Zandt quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, before the show at Wrigley Field, uh, I tweeted, you know, this is on my bucket list. Tell, you know, ask Bruce if somehow he could play this at the first show, because that was mm-hmm. the one I was going to. And then uh, he never replied. And then, uh, at least to that, when we mm-hmm. talk movies and politics enough. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, and then we're sitting there and the lights go down and, and Roy's piano starts playing the intro to it. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. And, you know, could have been completely a coincidence. That could have been Bruce's plan for the whole, you know, right. leading up to that. But I take credit for that. There you go. Good for <laughs> so, you. I, I don't know if it's true or, you know, again, I don't yeah, know if it's true or not, right. but, you know, uh, don't I'll, let take, the... I'll take credit for that one. Okay. That sounds um, good. Yeah. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, uh, really, the other song I would want to hear, there's probably about a 0.001% chance of it ever being played because mm-hmm. I don't think it ever has been played. And it's uh, questionable whether it was even ever recorded. And that was, or that is, Summer on Signal Hill. Okay. So I've always loved that song from the first time I heard it on uh, Killer Joe's rendition, mm. not, the, not Clarence's. So, yeah. you know, I don't expect it to ever get played. But, yeah. you know, if you hold up enough signs, maybe he'll be like, why, goes, do you, yeah. why do you even know that song kind of yes. thing? And, and it would get played. And then the other one, which I know there's no chance of it ever being played, is the 74 version of Jungle Land. Okay. The original one with the jazz break. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. I've loved it since the first time I heard it on a bootleg. And, you know, maybe on tracks volume two. Yes, maybe. You know, get that, yeah. maybe it'll come out on that. I doubt that too. But mm-hmm. um, I've, I've always loved... The, the early performances where the guitar solo and the sax solo are inverted mm-hmm. but um, the version from 74 with different lyrics and then the big um, you know David Sanchez led jazz break that sounds an awful lot like Kitty's back um, <laughs> you know at the end just it's such a different vibe from yeah uh, you know the final version uh, sure which again is probably my second favorite song of all time. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, but just having uh, an alternate version of it, uh, it would be wonderful to hear, to, to hear the actual studio rendition instead of the bootleg, which is a little dodgy quality wise. Very nice. Cool. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate ever hearing them, but those would be the two. Uh, that are left on my bucket list good i like that so it's uh you know so john two weird ones no that's nothing (laughs) wrong with that so john uh what have i what have i not asked you that i should have asked you um you could have asked me my opinion on shows where they play an entire album okay because i've now seen three what three um, did you see? Well, unfortunately, the first two were both born to run. So they were the same, two different locations, obviously. And uh, so I was at the first show in Chicago, which was the first time they did that 
uh, where they played a whole album and it was someone had asked Bruce to do it and he's like oh that would be a neat challenge and they announced in advance that the Chicago show uh, I want to say it was August 20th of 09 on the working on a dream tour uh, they were going to do that and I already had tickets to to that show and I was like oh okay well yeah this could this could be all right uh, at least I'll hear meeting across the river which I don't think I'd ever heard in concert pre or seen in concert previous to that and and the thing that I most remember um, from the album was when it was time for meeting across the river a, a guy walked out on stage with an upright bass and I'm like who is this I you know I, I didn't have any clue and uh, it was Richard Davis who played upright bass on that song on the album and, I, and I've since gone back and looked at the liner notes and it's like, yeah, there he is. I never read him close enough to know it wasn't Gary on the album. <laughs> so uh, I think I lost your, uh, your audio. Um, so, um, you know, in the upright bass obviously sounds very different from a regular electric bass. And as soon as he started playing, I was like, that's what the album sounds like that that's it you know right there so so that was kind of neat and then uh i saw him do born to run again in milwaukee uh which which was fine it wasn't you know like i said i think i'd prefer just to have him play eight other songs or half the album and four other songs but but it was okay um but then when the river tour came around i i really you know, I kind of debated whether I wanted to spend, you know, 300 bucks on tickets um, or not. Cause so I was like, well, 20 of, you know, 20 songs are going to be from that. And then only 10 others, maybe if we're lucky. Uh, so I, I was kind of like, yeah, not so sure. Um, you know, I'd, I'd heard the boot from 09 in New York when they did it. And I was, eh. So I was kind of indecisive. So I finally, I said, you know what, I'm going to um, just buy cheap seats up in the bowl, you know, at the back of the arena. And because I just want to hear it, not necessarily, I don't have to be, you know, down front. Uh, so we were about halfway up the, the, the balcony at the, uh, in Milwaukee. And we got there really early. And uh, my wife wanted to sit in the car and I was like, no, we have to go in. She's like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, well, because if you get really lucky, a guy will come around and offer you better seats if you have really bad seats. And she's like, no, they don't. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's, he's the man in black. That's what he does. And so she begrudgingly went in with me. And so again, my wife and my daughter, so this would have been her third show now um we're sitting up far far away and the only other people in the whole place basically were the ones in the pit because they all came running in to you know get down by the stage and there are a few other scattered people and we're just sitting there and this guy walks up to us and he's like uh how many are you in your group and i'm like three and he's like oh i, I got three extra tickets if you want them they're downstairs a little better i'm like okay yeah absolutely and i'm thinking to myself where are these seats and they were in the seventh row on the side of the stage <laughs> so 
So it was just, you know, it was one of those things. And again, I, I've been really lucky. You know, I got the, the ticket dump. I won the two, you know, serious sets of tickets. And we got upgraded to the side of the stage, right about even with the front on uh, Mills's side. And uh, the show was amazing. <laughs> you know, I have my own story about that. I was the mm-hmm. second time I went and saw Bruce. Um, it was at uh, Grand Prairie the Verizon theater. Mm -hmm. And I was at the very, the, there's two, there's the bottom section and the top section, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm at the very last row of the bottom section. The aisle is here. My seat is here. A pole, a pillar is here. (laughs) So I have a seat by myself and a guy comes up and says, Hey, do you want a better seat? Uh, And I'm thinking, because I had never heard about this. I'm like, no, you know, like, you know, I'm thinking he's a scalper. Right. And it hits me. Wait a minute. I'm inside the building. Yeah. So I go he's to not going like, to scalp you from in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I go, um, I'm sorry. Do you, do you have a better seat? Oh yeah, sure. So I ended up getting fourth or fifth row. Um, the story I tell, and if you're not a sports fan in Dallas, um, you don't care, but my seats were better than Babe Laufenberg, who was a backup uh, cowboy quarterback and the sports announcer mm-hmm. for the Fox station, but not as good as Moose Johnston from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> so I was between them. Uh, so that's great. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. I, I'm, that's, that's a great story. Well, and it, it was fun because, you know, we got to see kind of a lot of the behind the scenes stuff because we were yes. kind of looking down on, the side you know below the stage yeah level um so we kind of got to see some of the techs doing you know instrument stuff and whatnot oh that's kind of cool and there was this guy who had this really long beard that's how i kind of remember him and he was the accordion tech because we we looked down there and it's like and there's this guy he's got these different accordions because there's probably four or five of them that you know the guys switch off from Mm -hmm. and he's doing whatever you do to get an accordion ready for a concert. I have no idea exactly what he was doing, but he was, he was doing it. He was doing it and doing and, it with passion. Yes. So I, so I took a picture of him and I tweeted it out and I said, you know, you, uh, you may think your job is cool, but you're not accordion tech for the E street band. Cool. <laughs> That's and, a good he re- and he replied before the show started. Oh, that's cool. that's <laughs> a apparent- very cool. Apparently he is known for his accordion. He's like a famous accordion guy. Very cool. <laughs> but that's, that's when, nice. they, when they tour, he goes out and he takes care of their accordions. That's awesome. So that, so that was just, that was funny that he yes. was checking the, you know, Milwaukee Springsteen hashtag or whatever it yeah. was, but. Uh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. It was, it was a wonderful, it turned into a very wonderful experience. I bet. And, well, John, this has been a blast. I see I, you had nothing to worry about. You've done a great job. <laughs> well, Bef- I got I got one for you. Okay, go ahead. So when, whenever I talk Springsteen with people, I always like, you know, like to leave them with one challenging bit of trivia because okay. um, as I have found, you know, Springsteen fans know more about Springsteen than I think any other fans of any other musician. I mean, it's, it's our passion. We, we know 
all the little minor details that really are sorry about that my video was off that we shouldn't uh you know waste our time knowing <laughs> you know but that's just we care and that's what we do so I, I figured out that there's at least five songs and there could be more but there's five that i can like remember that have been re officially released in an edited for time format hmm. so shorter than their original release okay and I've, I've tried to get Jim Rotolo to answer and he won't. <laughs> mm. um, so, uh, and I've put it on Twitter a couple times and no one wants to touch it. <laughs> so that, that's kind of uh, my trivia for people who really want to think of trivia. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's at least five, like I said, that I came up with, there could be more that I haven't thought of, but um it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Of course, I am not a, I, because my first show is The Rising, mm -hmm. um, I do not hold his early work with the same reverence as a lot of other fans. Um, I acknowledge it's good. I like it, but it isn't like, I could care less if I never heard the 78, you know, proven mm -hmm. all night. I mean, that is right. not a holy grail for me. Um, I appreciate that it is. Now, of course, I'm one of the few people that Jolie Blanc is I on my wish song. list. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, 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 I went to school in Louisiana. My college's fight song was Jolie Blanc. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I am sad that I only got to hear girls in their summer clothes once. I would love to hear, and I've never heard I work for your love, you know, so we all have mm -hmm. different things we chase. So, right. Um, I, I, I would have to think about that. I'm not sure uh, what they are. I do know that they made a big deal that both letter to you and ghost, the video is shorter than the actual song. That when you look at the song, if you just watch the videos version, and then if you listen mm -hmm. to the song, the video is shorter than the song version. So, okay. and I know that. All right. So but, now I got seven then. Okay. There you go. All <laughs> so right. it wasn't any of those. Okay. And, good. and usually people are like, okay, well, the first couple are easy mm -hmm. because they're kind of like famously short yeah. and you've, and you've heard them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other two and a half i want to say are are tougher mm -hmm. um and and one of them it's they they play the wrong version on e street radio and it always bugs me because i'm like you do not have a time restriction like you have to get the commercial yeah. or something on e street radio play the longer version mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not even that much longer it's like 30 seconds longer but it's significantly better in that version okay good so that's a hint. So on your Twitter <laughs> feed, if someone wants to answer the question, how can what's your Twitter handle so they can answer your question? Uh, it's duty Giuliani one. So instead of Rudy, it's duty. Okay. Uh, just because when he was going insane, I thought that was kind of funny. And that was when I was starting on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> now he's fading away, hopefully soon. And maybe yes. I'll have to consider changing it. But okay. uh, now I have you know, a fair number of followers. So now I'm kind of stuck with it. Uh, 
All right. Yeah, that's that's the uh, the easiest way. If anyone's you know got any answers to that, I'll I'll give you the easiest one. It's back streets from seventy five eighty five. Okay. Because they they pulled uh, sad eyes out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the the other ones a uh, little little more challenging. Okay. So. Well, it's your turn for the Mary question. So let's just say that you are a friend of John's and you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard it before, but you're like, my buddy John's there. I got to go listen to it. So for you uh, listeners, uh, the Mary question is this. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired. But back when he was teaching, um, he would take his seniors honors English class and they would break down Thunder Road as a point. Mm-hmm. They would go through all the lyrics. He would mm-hmm. talk about the imagery and the visions and the themes Bruce explores, compare it to Robert Frost poetry. And at the end of it, uh, Jay asked the question, does Mary get in the car? So John, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yes. And the reason I say that has less to do with the specifics of the lyrics and more to do with, especially at that point in his life, he, Bruce was still a very romantic person. So I, I find it hard to believe (laughs) that, that she didn't. Okay. Um, And trying to think back if wings for wheels changes that answer uh-huh. with, the, with the original lyrics um but i i think bruce is so much of a romantic that uh, especially at that point in his career and with what the rest of the song represents i'm gonna say yes okay very nice good job right. but again could be entirely wrong <laughs> so you know um it was like in uh 80 well um, on more recent tours you know he said you know he, he's hidden he wrote a lot of love songs that he hid the fact that they were love songs yes you know um, especially earlier in his career and that was one of the things that I, I remember from the 88 tour was when he brought back Rosalita it was with the proviso that that was the greatest love song he ever wrote okay and that obviously has changed because now he writes more love songs yes. probably, but, but I remember him saying that specifically and the crowd just realizing that, wait a minute, Rosalita's coming back after, you know, not being on the 85 tour yeah. <laughs> and then the opening chords and the place going insane. Yeah. So, um, so he was definitely, you know, in that time period, a romantic. So, yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts for us? Uh, just that uh, you never know when the last show is going to be. So, yeah. you know, uh, go see it as see them as often as you can. Hopefully, you know, by 2022, hopefully in a miracle late 2021. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to start getting some shows again. And like I said, if, uh, if the E Street Band isn't touring, but Little Steven goes back out or Nils goes back out, I know he's, you know, been going stir crazy at his house. Sure. Um, he he really needs to get back out on the road. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you know, go 
go see them. Uh, they, they put on wonderful shows themselves and definitely deserve everyone's support. Um, and, and really the disciples of soul, you know, it's, it's not a stretch to start, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, a Springsteen show when they're playing, it's, it's very yeah. similar in structure, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, uh, the Nils shows are very different because, mm-hmm. you know, he's Nils, uh, yeah. but, but they're wonderful as well. So, Good. Well, I appreciate your time, John. I hope you had a good time. Ah, it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Uh, listeners, you, think, thank you for listening so much. Please be safe. Remember to social distance. Wash your hands. Wear an effing mask. Let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. But yep. for now, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Have a good night. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store, where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page, where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 